and we're going to read the first three verses together. And, uh, and so we'll do that. Um, they should be familiar uh, to you, um, but let's, let's read these uh, verses uh, together. Actually, let me, uh, let me pray before we do that, okay? God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your presence, God. We thank you for um, a new year. Thank you for your grace, God, that uh, you don't treat us the way we deserve. We thank you for your patience, God, that you wait on us. And so, God, as we gather here together, we, we want to hear from you. God, even though we see each other in this room and we praise God for the, the church, the body of believers, we're here because of you. And so, God, I pray that you would speak to us exactly where we're at, that you would speak personally and specifically, because, God, we don't just want to go through the motions of having church. That's, that's not what you want. And so, God, I pray that you would work in our hearts, and in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So let's read these verses uh, uh, together, okay? Are you ready? This side's ready. Are you ready? Come on, we got to get moving here. I know we got to know it's a... All right. In the beginning... The earth... God said, let there be light, and there was light. Very good. That's all we're going to look at, the beginning part here. And so, uh, and so um, we see here, and, and, and again, go back to verse 1, bring up verse 1 here. The, the, the key here of this whole thing is the, that the, the, the second part of the line. In the beginning, who created? Who did that? God did. God created. And so that word there for created is brrrr. I'm, I'm kind of, it's hard to pronounce. Hebrew is a very phonetical language. I have it on my software. I listened to it like 10 times this week. I didn't get it right. And it really doesn't matter to you. And I'm spending more time on it than what I should, okay? Um, but that word created, that's the highlight here. You know, we typically jump into all the specifics. And he did this, and he did this, and he did this, and he did this. The highlight here is God created. He did. It was him. Him alone. And so what does that word created mean? It, it, it talks about his divine ability. It means making something out of nothing. Something out of nothing. See, the Bible never tries to prove God's existence. The whole Bible never tries to prove his existence because God wrote it. Why would God try to prove his existence when he's writing it? That'd be like me standing here and saying, I'm Steve Cornball, and I really exist. You'd be like, can someone take him to the psychiatric ward? That's a little weird. Okay? God is real. He's writing to describe himself and telling us about who 
he is. And so how does he start here in Genesis chapter 1? The highlight is that God created. He made something out of nothing. And so uh, the Latin, I think this is Latin, I, I'm assuming it is, ex nihilo, nihilo, I think that's, is, is the phrase that means to make something out of uh, nothing. Because the, the name for God here, Elohim, is that he is the Almighty One. He has all the power. He does. It's God. And so, um, and again, we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on all the details of creation. You could, there's all kinds of writing on that. You can go and find other examples of, of walking through the Genesis uh, chapter 1. Um, I think in this too, um, there are different uh, perspectives um, on that. Uh, we weren't there, and so we don't know. Um, there's scientifically, you know, all that kind of stuff. The bottom line, and here's what I would say. We believe what God says here, that God created. So whatever your positions are on, on how and where, you always have to come back to the truth. Who created it? God did. So when you see the sunshine, who made the sun? God did. Who gave you the mind to be able to even think about what exists? God did. And, um, and so we, we're not going to get lost um, in all the details. I'm saying that's not important, I'm just saying that we don't have time to, uh, to look at that. And so as we think about this, what is the bottom line this morning? You know, and I'm going to put it in four different ways. The bottom line is that God is greater than his creation. God is greater than his creation. Okay? Let me put it a different way. There was a king before there was a kingdom. There was a king before there ever was a kingdom. And so what we're talking about there is authority. Who has supreme authority? Put it a little more personal way. There is a father before there was ever family. And when I say father here, I'm talking about capital F, God the Father. There was, there is a father before there was family. And so I'm kind of coming at this from different ways. But again, the, the, the point here is that God created. God created. So now I'm going to, got to go back to uh, in the fall when we did the series on the spiritual battle. You know, one of the things remember we said here, and it, let me put it in terms of that, the spiritual battle. The spiritual realm existed before the physical realm. That's why the battle is in the spiritual realm. Because the spiritual invisible realm happened or existed before the physical realm. Now, you're thinking the same thing I'm thinking. It is so hard to wrap our mind around that because all we know is the physical realm, right? So if all we know is the physical realm, how do we get our mind around there was something before the beginning? There was someone before the beginning. And so that's what we see here. But that's what the writer of Genesis is saying, that God is the one who created. And so look down in verse 3. How did God do that? 
Verse 3, he says, And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And so we're just a, one little example here. How does, how does God create? What does he use to create? What does he use? His voice. He uses his voice because he is powerful. All he has to do is speak, and it happens. It happens. All right? So I want to illustrate this for us to, to illustrate the difference between God's power and his ability and man or humanity's ability. So here's why I need engagement from all of you. All of you are going to be the voters. I need you to vote on, with your voices, the, the, who do you see as the two strongest people in this room? Okay, I'm putting this on you. Yeah, that's right. I'm not picking them. You're all picking them, okay? So you need to say the name of who are the two strongest people in this room, and you need to point them to come up here on the stage. Not God. Did someone say God? Ray? I heard Ray. Who, who votes for Ray? All right. Come on, Ray. Who else? Tim. All right. We got Tim. Very good. We got two people. Come on up here, Ray and Tim. It's not going to go well. That's right. All right. So... Actually, this is Ray's dumbbell. He actually gave it to me. No, I didn't. Yes, you did. When? It doesn't matter. <laughs> Stop arguing. He's trying to get the attention off him. Okay, so we have, these are, you voted the two strongest people. We have a dumbbell here. And obviously, I know you can easily curl that. So we're not measuring your physical strength here. What, I, what you need to do is, with using your voice, command the dumbbell to hit the... Um, garage door back there. You go first. <laughs> Why do you want him to go first? I thought you commanded him, I said it right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Okay, well, I think we get, go ahead, you guys can sit down. I think we get the point. We get the point that none of us, there's no human being that their voice can do that. But God can. God spoke. He spoke. His word has power. Has power. And so that's the God that we serve. That's the God who wants us to know him. That's the God we come together this morning to worship. To worship. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up. And uh, we're going to sing a couple songs here. And so part of this intention was, as I was studying this week, I'm like, you know what? This doesn't make sense. Like, we need to hold God up and his word and who he is to fuel our response to him, our worship um, of him. And so, uh, um, and so Zion, let's, let's do that. Let's take a few moments here and, uh, and worship uh, God, the Father, who is the creator. Go ahead. You guys can stand up. Uh, with me and Matt and the team. Actually, there's going to be three parts, but I'll, I'll, I'll let you get there. All right, so we're going to pick back up in Genesis chapter 1. If you have your Bible, um, open up to uh, Genesis chapter 1. And, um, and uh, as you're turning there, I want to kind of pick up on that God is the creator, but another aspect of God, and, and he says it, there's a rhythm here as you read through this. Um, down in verse, and he says it several times, but I'm going to pick up,
um, in, uh, in verse 25. Actually, I might have not gave you the right verse. Um, let me read verse 25. I don't think you have it in there, do I? I think I gave you the wrong verse. Uh, that, that's my fault. And, and God made the beasts of the earth according to their kind and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. So this is another aspect of who God is, that God is good, that God is good. It's, it's part of his character. It's part of who he is. You say, well, Steve, he's, he's saying his creation is good, and that's true. But how can creation be good unless God is good? Can't. God is good. That's why he makes good things. I don't want to get philosophical here, but you get the point. And so even as we, as, we, as we think about that quality of God, that God is creator, but God is also good, what is hard is that we, that word good is overused. I live in a house with teenagers, a lot of teenagers. How was your day? Good. What did you like about today? Good. I mean, you hear it all the time. Everything is good. And what, so what does good mean? Good means nothing. Because it's just the word that we use to what I don't want to really answer your questions, dad or mom. Okay. And we probably do the same thing, right? So how do we step back? Whoa. How do we step back? And get a glimpse of what God's goodness is. Part of it is we look about his creation. That's part of it. But I think the other part is, so what does his goodness mean? It means that God is beautiful. It means that he is desirable. It means that he is beneficial. It means that he is helpful. And we're going to actually see this a little bit more next week. Because you really see the goodness of God when you see how we challenge him. Okay, and we'll, we'll, we'll see a little bit more of it next week. But I, part of this was just to look and step back and say, you know what? God is good. He's beneficial. He is for us. Do you, do you get that? Well, Steve, I had some pain in my life. This, I, I get that. So let's look down at the next verse here. And so God is creator. You know, uh, we want to look at the, the, ne- the climax of God's creation. And again, a lot of you know this. You're, you're kind of hearing it again. And, and uh, some of you maybe not, and that's okay. But uh, verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image and after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea. I'll kind of stop there. And so back up, up to verse 26. So here God is the one who speaks and creates everything. Now you see God having a conversation. Do you see the pronouns here? Then God said, let us, let us. Who is he talking to? Who is he talking to? Is he talking to the angels? 
I'm talking to himself? Or is it revealing something to us about himself? That God is one, but there's also relationship within the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The triune God. That they relate with one another. I think that's what God is beginning to communicate. Why do we want relationships so much? Because that's who God is. That's who God created us to be. It comes from Him. And we're becoming like God when we want relationship too. And so that's what he says. And so he has this conversation. Let us make man in our image. And so what is he saying here? He's coming back to you know, this, this idea that this is the climax of God's creation. More important than all the other aspects of creation. More important than the sun and the stars. And, and, and we could come up with lists. Is you and me. Humanity is the climax, the highest point of what it's all about. Because nothing else in God's creation, not the angels, they don't bear the image of God. They're important. They don't bear the image of God. God has created us to bear his image. So what does that mean? Traditionally, it means that... We're rational, we have the ability to think. We're relational, we have the ability to relate. We have a freedom of a will, so we can choose where we want to go, left or right, up or down. Moral attributes and virtue, love, justice, joy, etc., etc. Language, you know, these are all aspects of, of what does it mean to bear the image of God. <clears throat> and none of these things are incorrect, but they are all incorrect complete. They're incomplete. Why? Because these things are limited in that they attempt to answer the question, in which attribute of man can I see the image of God? And when we do that, we drop who God is. And God doesn't want us to do that. See, the Bible doesn't say that certain parts of man, and when I say man here, I'm talking man, man and woman. Like, don't get in like, you left the women out. People, okay? The Bible doesn't say that certain parts of man and women were created in the image of God, but rather man, period, period, was created in the image of God. Let me illustrate this for you. If I handed you a photograph, of my dad. Here's Roy Cornball. If you see the picture, looking, go ahead and look at it. You guys look like you're ready to fall asleep. You're looking at the picture. You would not ask, I don't, you shouldn't, what part of this picture of your dad is his image? You wouldn't ask that question. Because the picture is his image. In the same way, it's inaccurate to ask what aspects of man bear the image of God. We can say that all of humanity bears 
aspects of the image of God because our lives have dignity, value, and worth. Why? Why? Not to be a... Why do they have dignity, value, and worth? Because God says so. Exactly. Isn't that simple? It's so simple. So why do we struggle with it? Because in our world, we find we look for value and worth in our smarts, in our money, in our talents, or what we do. What we or what we accomplish. We put our weight in those things. And I'm not saying they don't have some importance. But our value and worth is in who God says that we are. And so he goes on, verse 26. Second part here, he says, let us make man in our own image and likeness and let them, have, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea. And so God created us to bear his image. And so to be God-like means, means to do what? It means to have dominion. Part of our job description, part of the humanity's job description is to rule, to lead. God has entrusted us with authority on earth to reflect him to his creation, physically. So we reflect him when we are ruling and leading rightly. But we're not God. We reflect him. We show who he is. And so he goes on, verse 27, so God created Man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. So what does God show us here? He is the one who created two genders, male and female. God did that. And so here's where culturally all this gender stuff, and I'm not saying there's not challenge, you know, I I, want to be sensitive to that and Next week when we talk about the fall, like today, creation's perfect. (laughs) Genesis chapter 3, it all changes. But all of this gender, these gender issues, the issue's not the gender. You know what's behind it? I want to be like God, and I want to change my gender. I want to say who I am. I want to say who I am. And God says, no. I made a man and woman. I'm the one who says who you are. And so I don't want to get off a rabbit trail, but I think that's very important here as God is setting that out. And so God goes, he continues to go on here. He created a man, uh, male and female. And, And again, I think part of this too is together we bear the image of God. We are incomplete by ourselves. We need one another. And so we got to be careful here, you know, because you're like, well, I'm single, so does that mean I'm incomplete? Well, no, you, you bear the image of God. But the point is, men need women in their life and women need men in their life. We need one another because together we reflect God. We're incomplete by ourselves. 
this doesn't mean you have to get married. It means our young, our kids need to see a mom and what a healthy mom is. They need to see a healthy dad and what a healthy dad is. So they get a, complete, they get a good picture of who God the creator is. And so that's what we see here. So God goes on and he gives the job description. Look in verse 28. There's three things here that he says um, to men and women, or to, to Adam. I mean, he's not speaking directly to Adam here, but um, that's what he's doing. And so, verse 28, and God blessed them and said to them, again, said, get the word here. God is speaking this. He says, be fruitful and multiply. And so what are the three aspects of what is important for creation? God says your job description as a human being is be fruitful and multiply. Have children. God says that you're becoming like me when you're being fruitful and having boatloads of kids. Well, maybe not. Some of you are like, okay. But what is one of the things you hear in our world now? There's too much population. You know what, that's a, again, these are, like, this is so simple. These are all attacks on what God says. God says, be fruitful and multiply. The world's saying, you know what, we got too many, how are we going to feed? That's from the pit. God says, be fruitful and multiply. Secondly, what what does he say next? Have children. Verse, uh, uh, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Oh, that's the next phrase, fill the earth. And so what is he saying there? He's saying, spread out over all of creation. Explore it. See what all I've made. Don't live in one central place. Spread out around the world. It's a big world. Don't get stuck in your own little microcosm. So he's saying, fill the earth, explore it. And so the third thing he says here, and he repeats it, Fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. And so what is he saying here? He's saying here that God wants us to exercise authority. Authority is not bad. It's not bad. He wants us to exercise authority on this earth. Those are the three things of our job, of, our, of what it means to be a human. And so I'm going to, you know, uh, probably more next week, um, but I think this last one, I think we get to be fruitful, we get to explore the earth, but I think this last one, subdue and rule, that one has gotten twisted all over the place. And so uh, I want to talk about it a little bit more <laughs> next week, and I, um, you know, as we, as we look at the fall and how that has gotten twisted and turned around. Um, and so at the end here, verse 31, um, he says, and God saw everything that he had made and behold, it was very good. And so again, he pronounces that goodness. And so the last part here, and I'm, I'm not going to spend a ton of lot of time. He, he, he works for six days. And then at the very end, God demonstrates to us what it means to be human what it means to be human. Verse 2-1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all of his work that he had done. 
So part of the rhythm that God demonstrates is rest. Rest. Well, did God rest because he was tired? No, he wasn't tired. You think he was tired? Now, last week when we heard Calvin's workout, we were tired by just hearing his workout. We get tired. God wasn't tired. What God was doing was giving us a gift to let us know that what is more important to, to him isn't that we are little minions running around here carrying out his jobs. That's not what's important to him. What's important to God is relationship. And so that's why every week he gives us the gift of a day. Rest means to stop, cease from working. Loose translation could be, it's a holiday. Or if you want to put it into our terms, it's a snow day when you get the call. Woohoo! We get to just be off. That's the rhythm of what God set in place. A day of rest. And rest doesn't mean you sit on your bed for 24 hours and that's not, that's not what he's saying here. Rest is about disengaging from your regular responsibilities so that you can focus on God and enjoy him and worship him and spend time with him and go out in creation and you don't have to, you can go on a walk and you don't have to worry about I have to be back by this time because you know what? God, I'm just going to go and enjoy you. That's what God wants. That's what God models here for us. Rest. It's in, it's in stark contrast to, and again, there's another thing of the fall messes all that up and we tend to mix everything up. That's how we make work our God. And we can't stop. And they need me. What if I don't answer the email? What, what if I, all the... You know what God did? He stopped. Let's just take for a minute here and just take a few deep breaths. Go ahead. Did the world fall apart because you took a few deep breaths? Sometimes we can get under the mindset that if I don't keep doing my things, the world's going to fall apart. No, that's God's job. It's not our job. So I'm going to invite the worship team up here, and as, as I conclude, um, you know, I, one of my questions to you is, um, is there any place in all of this that you need to recalibrate? I'm not just talking rest. I'm talking about Genesis 1 and 2. God's personal design. God's specific design. Maybe as we start out this new year, do, do you have to recalibrate? Maybe you need to go back and reread through and be reminded that God is the creator. God is good. whole rest piece is a picture of the gospel. And God puts it in Genesis chapter 1 here. Because that's all he really wants is to relate with us. That's all he wants. We're going to see that 
very clear next week when we look at Genesis 3. But the day of rest is that picture for us. And so I want to do something a little bit different as well. I, I, I said, hey, this, this was part two of the sermon. Um, during the week, over the next few weeks, I'm going to give a, thir- a third part of the sermon, okay? Um, and uh, we're gonna, I'm going to post it. Um, one of my children has helped me create a YouTube page or channel or whatever, I don't know. Um, my media director, who was Ryan, um, is helping me. But, and so over the next few weeks, what I want to do, because we don't have enough time here, but in that third part of the sermon is to talk about how, how are these things seen in Christ, okay, Genesis seen in Christ, but then also, how do we see it in the future? Okay, and so that's what the midweek sermon is going to be. It's going to be about 15 minutes, I'm, you know, so I'll, I'll post you, I'll let you know. And those two things, you got this part, how is it pointing to Christ, but then how is it pointing for us looking forward to eternity? And uh, so that's, that's what we're going to do. All right, I'm going to sit down because Matt looks like he's going to fall down.